Hello, everybody. This is Joshua Hatton with One Nation Under Whiskey Podcast. I'm joined today, and I am joined, as always, by my good friend and my business partner, Mr. Jason Johnston Yellen. Hi, Jason. Hey, buddy. Hey, buddy. How are you? How are you, <laughs> How are you doing? You tell me, Mr. California <laughs> granola eating, dead listening. <laughs> Tativo wearing. It's a staple in our house with uh, Stewie when he's talking to the family. He's like, "How you? How you doing, buddy? How you? How you doing? Yeah, yeah. yeah. You you still working on that book? Are you Uh, the book with the characters? Are you? Is that? How's that coming? How's that coming? Is it the same (laughs) one where he's saying, "Huh? Huh? What? Yeah, buddy. Yeah, I do, buddy." Buddy? Uh, buddy? Maybe. Maybe. It's like, <laughs> Jesus, a decade, two decades since I've seen that part, but, you know, it sticks with you. That so show yes. has been going on for a long time. Well, it went away for a little bitty. It did. Uh, but but here's here's what I would like to cover in today's introduction. <laughs> this isn't the Family Guy? Uh, no, I, I don't want to talk Family Guy today. What I want to talk about... Okay. It's the fourth Indiana Jones movie. The fourth Indiana? You want to talk The Crystal Skull? Yeah, just watched it last weekend with the family. (laughs) Are you mad at them? What happened? I'd tell you this. I'd seen that movie once in my life, Uh and it was in the cinema, Uh when when I really wished I hadn't spent my money on it. Choose your words wisely here. Pick the year. When was it released? Too soon. Too soon ago. Come on, come on, give me a year. When I, was it released? I would say that it was released in 2011. Oh, interesting. Yeah, probably interesting. 2011. Maybe okay. 12? Okay. So I firmly believed it was 1997. <laughs> <laughs> because the, the, time doesn't pass, okay? Just knock it off. Time doesn't pass. Time totally passes. <laughs> so... So I'll give uh, I'll give you, you a little. You were twenty three when that came out. <laughs> you fucking were not twenty three. Do you know how time works? <laughs> Fuck's sake! So, I really did. I really thought I was in my twenties and I'd gone to the cinema and I thought this is terrible. And then there was another, you know, twenty plus years of cinema to help me forget about it. But but you, unfortunately, you are closer than I was. Two thousand and eight. I have wow. a I have a hard time getting my head around that being released in the 21st century. I have a hard time with it being released so long ago. Like how is that 12 years ago? I rem- I personally remember being really excited about it, you know, as they were filming it because a portion of it was filmed in New Haven on on Yale property and mm. and I knew some of the and that is striking right and 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 I remember you know I know some of the the places that it filmed at and and mm. I just feel as if me being excited that filming was happening in New Haven it just feels that I was excited more recently than 2008 <laughs> I guess I just haven't been that excited since 2008 I do now. I feel bad for you. That is a long time to go without being recently excited. So, so now that twenty three <sighs> years have passed, and you've yeah. rewatched it with the family, <laughs> yeah, and you 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 basically tried to kill your children showing them this movie. Listen, yeah, okay, listen, I'm listening. Listen, yeah, go ahead. Listen, okay. Having having watched 
all four Indiana Jones movies mm -hmm. in the last four months. And as we discussed pre-Alistair Walker episode, mm -hmm. and as, oh, yeah. as we discussed with Alistair Walker in person uh, in Glasgow over some pints, yep. the first one's clearly the strongest. It's clearly fantastic. Brilliant. Yes, yeah, brilliant. The third one is clearly an, an attempt to get past the absolute horrors of the second one. While doing a good job doing so. Yeah, oh, very, and very, very much yeah. so, yes, okay. very much so, yeah. I've been for Shisha's Junior, um, is something we now say around this house Junior? Also. Junior? <laughs> been for Shisha's Junior. <laughs> so, so clearly it's the first movie, followed by the third movie, followed by, and let me finish this sentence, the second movie being the worst of them all. Worst of them all. I will give you that. Yep. Like that's hands down. Hands down. Hands down. So 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 with that said, the fourth is neither as bad as the second nor as good as the third. Interesting. So it it goes one, three, four, two. Yes. Yes. So the question that I have for you. If one is a hundred and mm -hmm. three is eighty and mm -hmm. two is a twenty. I would even say literally two for two. A two is a two. <laughs> Give me a a number that you would associate with with four with the crystal skull. I'm at least at a fifty. It's it's at least a strong meh. If we were to use those numbers and apply them to how we think about grading systems within the U.S. educational system, a 50 right. is still failing. That's still an F, right? You need 60, 60 out of 100 to get a D. So this is still an F. It's still a failed. And, and that's, why I say, that's why I say I would start at 50. It has a grade. It has a place to go from. Okay. Is it a D? Yeah, I'd give it a D, yeah. Would I give it a C? I might give it a C minus. Oof. That might be a bit strong. D plus? I, I don't know. Well, you know what? I feel as if I have a choice here. I could either fire you as my co-host and business partner <laughs> of, of going on 10 years now, uh, or rewatch it and then make that same decision all over again. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't think it's as bad as I remembered it to be. Hmm. I, rem I remember, and here's the thing, and I even defended it a little bit when we talked about the indie movies uh, in the Alistair Walker episode, is the film itself is set in 1957. And I think it did a nice job of, and I've said this before, I've, and honestly I've said this for <laughs> clearly now 12 years mm. and not 23 years. Mm -hmm. I've been saying this for 12 years. It played with the tropes within that genre. Yeah. Just perfectly fine, right? The 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 fact he jumps into a refrigerator to protest himself uh, protest himself. Well, talk. I uh, protest myself. Yeah, not protect himself. Yeah, let's he does, go he with that. Protects himself. He he doth not protest. <laughs> he he protects himself yeah. from an atomic blast. Inside a, a lead-lined fridge. Yes, you do. Yeah. That, that catapults him miles down the road. Like, mm. is that ridiculous? Yes, yes, it is. 
Is it fun within a movie oh, set yeah. in 1957 that plays on the tropes of the genre? Absolutely. I'm not going to ding on that. The fact it ends up with aliens and a spinning UFO, like, ah, to hell with it. Let's have fun. Yeah. Come on. Look where cinema's gone in 12 years. It's endless comic book movies. Endless. I need them to end. And they take themselves so seriously. I just can't even with the whole comic book world. Okay. And so... If Indiana Jones wants to have fun as as a movie, ugh, let it happen. Come on. Two points Come here. Come on. Two points here. <laughs> I respect your ability. Ian Allen has just dropped the iron on his foot. <laughs> like, this is just... I apologize, Ian. I do apologize. Ian Allen is currently choking himself on the cord to, yeah. to, his, to his iron. Yeah. So, so Let me just say this. People who like Edinburgh over Glasgow, that's what they get, Ian. That's what they get. I've got two bones to pick with you about this whole thing, Jason. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But not bones to pick. There's two things that I want to say. Okay. The first is I need to commend you. I like how this has started. I respect, appreciate, I respect, comma, appreciate, <laughs> comma, and support. Good use the, of an Oxford comma. I like it. You're welcome. Your ability to suspend disbelief. Okay. To say, I saw Indiana Jones climb into a refrigerator. Yeah, have a, lead, lead-lined. A lead-lined one. Uh, there was a, a, a nuclear blast. He mm-hmm. goes flying down the road and survives. Mm-hmm. More people need to suspend disbelief and stop taking movies so goddamn seriously. Okay, right. I like, we're, we're off to a good start here. Which is funny, because I don't normally enjoy movies where I have to suspend disbelief, so... Which, yeah, it really is out of character for you, <laughs> which, which is why you dislike the, you know, the, the superhero movies. You I, have I, to suspend disbelief for that. You yeah. know they don't exist, right? Yeah. Black Panther was good. Black Panther was fantastic. Yeah. Really so, enjoyed that one. Captain America. I can't stand Captain America movies. You shut your filthy mouth. Oh, they're so maudlin. Oh. Wow. Oh. What do you like about Captain America? Not to go too far on a tangent. People are here for whiskey. <laughs> whiskey. Let me say it a few more times. Whiskey, whiskey, whiskey. <laughs> what What do you like about Captain America movies? And, oh, God. I, I think in oh. a way, it's not necessarily what I like about Captain America movies. It's, it's what I like about Captain America in general. To me, oh. Captain America is Marvel's Superman. Right, oh, it, can't it, can't stand Superman. It and I knew you wouldn't, but it but it it is that it's that character that sticks to the idea that to always be lawful and good wins the day. Mm. Now, truth be told, that is that is not our world, and that has never been our world. But I think it's a good ideal to strive for, and I mm. and I like that. I like I like the the purity without them ever coming off as being above everyone else. They're there to help. And they've always thanked the police when they've helped out. You know, they've, I like those characters for, for that reason. Hmm. But, 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 the second point that I was trying to make, and this is something that you, you had not brought up previously, uh-huh. And I'm not sure you you and I have ever discussed this before, but Kate Blanchett 
in The Crystal Skull. Basically, Kate Blanchett in everything. She's just a wonder. I oh, I, there, okay, right? there you go. Yeah, yeah. I didn't didn't think that's what you were going to yeah, say. Yeah, no, I I think she she could be super serious. She could be super fun. She's always elegant and wonderful to watch on the screen. Kate Blanchett to me is the Lord of the Rings movies, right? Yes. So she played her part so well. It, it's a rare thing when you see an actor on a screen, like an A-list actor like Kate Blanchett, and you forget her name is Kate Blanchett. Oh, very much so. Right? And, and, and that, that goes to any actor. And, and I just, I think she's great all the time. However. Oh. No, I, th- I thought your second point was building up to a however. You're just defending Kate Blanchett in Indiana Jones? Yeah, I think that she was the highlight of the film. I just really enjoyed her. As as the bad guy, I thought she was a wonderful villain that was that played the part well. Huh. Yep. Okay. Cool. Well, <laughs> listeners, <laughs> this has been <laughs> Indiana Jones Hour, and uh, thanks again for joining us while we discuss the nuances of the Indiana Jones franchise. Don't forget to listen to the uh, to after the closing <laughs> song of this episode for the interview with Holly Sidewand. <laughs> Oh, wait, speaking of Holly Sidewan, that's what this episode is about. It's our this conversation. This episode about something? Well, I mean, it's, it's about whiskey. In the end, it's about whiskey. It was interesting. When you were making the allusions to Kate Blanchett, I actually thought you were setting up an intro for Holly with those words. Hmm. Classy. Professional. Yeah. Funny. Yeah. yeah knowledgeable. She's all those things. All of those things. Holly's she, like the Kate Blanchett of, of whiskey. Exactly. Exactly. That's exactly where I thought wow. you were taking that. It's all been a setup. That's exactly where I knew we were taking this intro. Well, uh, you are the, the smarter person in this duo because... That's, you're not the first person to say that. Uh, <laughs> 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 Uh, so should we talk about whiskey? Should we? Should we? Let's do it. Let's yeah, try let's it on. It. Let's let's see yeah. if it fits this podcast. Yeah. Okay. I will say this. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's you, now you, very you. hard for me to say podcast, even when we get listener emails. Yeah. They are calling it the Padcast. I know. <laughs> so hard. they are calling it the Padcast. <laughs> Uh, in fact, we, we have a, an email that we'll be reading after the interview yep. uh, where the person who sent us this email called it a podcast. Oh, it was fantastic. So, it makes me, yeah. does make me chuckle. I do appreciate it. <laughs> so, so, yes. So, let's, let's try and see what this would be like as a whiskey podcast. Well, for those that don't know Holly Sidewand, uh, first off, shame on you. No, I'm joking. Um, are you, though? What's that? Are you, though? Are you joking? I think you really are saying shame on you for not knowing Holly. Here's the thing. More people should know who Holly is because, in my opinion, she is 100% a whiskey superstar. She is. Right? She really is. Right? Yeah. Um, and I think we'll yeah. hear that in the interview. Not to jump too far ahead. Yeah, but- yeah go ahead. Uh, our listeners will hear that in the interview today. She says 
key things that to me say I'm here for the whiskey yeah. and not I'm here for my brand. Oh, I love that. I absolutely love that about her. And and while I did expect her in in our conversation to talk about her general love, uh, you know, of, of whiskey writ large, um, you know, she she wore it on her sleeve the entire conversation, which yeah. which was great. And I and I think is good for, you know, any brand should want that someone who can talk about whiskey and how his or her brand fits into the wide world of whiskey. And yeah. uh yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was it was one of the things I, I always did in my brief time with Impex where if somebody wanted to talk Springbank, there was no Springbank in the portfolio, but I always felt like talking about whiskey writ large mm-hmm. would always inform people on your particular brand. So however you want to talk about the whiskey industry, you can come back, you can always pivot back to Kilholman or Penderin or Oishi or what have yeah. you. And, and it's never that I was just sitting patiently listening to somebody talk about whatever they wanted to talk about, waiting for my in to talk about the brands I was there to represent. Yeah. It really was a back and forth conversation yeah. about what is it that, intrigues you what is it you like sure Um, sure you know you know and and discussing as whiskey geeks i think really establishes that baseline from which you can go on to sell a brand you know yeah we've all had we've all had it where you bump into somebody who reps a brand and they that's all they can talk about. You can hear their training coming through yeah. in the brand points that they're articulating. And if you take even just half a step outside of that, they've got nothing, mm. nothing at mm-hmm. all. Mm-hmm. And immediately I distrust that person because they are just there to represent a brand. And so I think it's essential. I think it should be in all huh. brand education that you need to get your hands dirty. You need to know the industry writ large and be able to talk the industry writ large. And not like a 20-year expert, yeah. but as somebody who has an enthusiasm and a passion for the category, which is a word I don't tend to enjoy using, or or the industry. And as a, as a proud Scotsman, I like people to take the industry writ large seriously and have an ability to talk about the whole enterprise. I agree 100%. However, I, I do question you jumping immediately to the distrust of that person. Yeah. Well, like I would maybe leave my kid with them in a babysitting capacity, but I'm not going to be as fond of you know talking to them about whiskey if they've only got one singular focal point which is the brand they're paid to pitch. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it 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 makes you wonder are are some of are some of and, and and granted I don't see this a lot, but I imagine that this surely happens more often than not just not with the people that we that we talk to or that we are in circles with, but you know, I I wonder how many people fit that description of I'm a whiskey salesperson, and I know yeah. my brands. I I am willing to yeah. argue 
that it's a very small number yeah. because right. I don't think that approach is successful. Not and because I he killed it, the other people? Yeah, He's right. Picking them off one by one. <laughs> Do I have a wonderful patio to show you out the back? Uh, <laughs> Check out this pit I just dug. <laughs> and so... And so, yeah, I, I just don't think if you come into this industry in this category mm. with that approach that it can be sustained. I think in some places it can be. I think with certain distributor sales reps who have a particular category that they have to focus on to make money to feed their spouse and their kids or, or what have you. Like to some people, I fully appreciate that this is a a job. It doesn't make me any less sad that to some people it is nothing but just a job. But I can mm. I can appreciate that. I can appreciate sure. that some people are just you know how am I going to pay my rent? I know a good bit about wine. I know a bit about spirits. I need For to know sure. what's in my portfolio. Should they know more about competition or a bit more history? Yeah, sure. That's, I think that would make anyone a better salesperson. But I think that there's probably a good number of cases where it, it doesn't necessarily hinder them to, to only know their portfolio, that they're probably doing an okay job for themselves knowing just but, their portfolio. But, but I think, as, as you correctly point out, that's a, that's a small percentage um, a, a small area. What intrigued me about Holly and talking to her, mm. uh, and, and we'll hear it covered in the interview, is she set out as an intrigued consumer to learn about the industry. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And was willing to walk into places and say, you know, I'm not here to tell you everything I know, which we. We've known some on the consumer side who like to tell you what they know. And we've, and we've certainly seen it at distilleries. You know, yeah. you, you, you wander around on a distillery tour, invariably there's some group of white men who are there to tell the tour guide what they know about whiskey production. White men know everything. Don't right. you know this, Jason? Right. Yeah. Especially about whiskey production. So so it's nice to, to have met somebody who walked in saying, just t tell me what you know and let me... Let me write it down. Let me keep notes. Yeah. Let me transcribe those notes for myself. <laughs> let me open a blog for myself. Yeah, yeah. Just, just to be able to learn about this industry and that passion has then gone on to be, you know, has gone on to become the holly that we now know and the holly that we sat down with. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. So, so I first met Holly. Uh, a few years back, she was the spirit specialist at Gordon's Fine Wines in Massachusetts. And anytime I was doing a tasting, whether it was for uh, any of the Impex beverages brands, you know, Kilhoman, Port Eskeg, etc., um, it, it was for Single Cast Nation too. And Holly and I really hit it off. And, and in part, it's because exactly what you were saying before. This is someone who really cared about the industry writ large and had a passion for the people, the history, the buildings, the stills, the stuff in the bottle. Like that was and continues to be her passion. And that's why we hit it off. And, th and then she left Gordon's 
and and now she's with Bacardi mm-hmm. and responsible for for teaching people about five distilleries that for the most part people didn't know about because these five distilleries <laughs> were busy making malt to go into various blends. Yep. Kregelicky, Aberfeldy, Altmore, Macduff, or better known as the Devron these days, or Royal mm. Brockla, you know? So this is, she's got a pretty big job ahead of her because none of these brand names are especially sexy. Correct. Um, <laughs> Correct. Right? One of, the, yeah, one of the problems we encounter as independent bottlers, yeah. How right. sexy yeah. is the distillery? Well, it's... <laughs> Yeah, from 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 our perspective, we read these distillery yeah. names, and that's sexy to us. Like, right? We have yet to b- bottle a Royal Brockla. Like, yep. I want to get that done. Yep. Um, I'm, I, you know, speaking of those, I'm currently have one of our Altmores, the eight year old that's about to come to the U.S. Just in honor of Holly, you know. So I'm so I'm drinking that. So so met her in the retail world, and now she has this this job where she's pushing these these five brands, trying to get them known to the general American public. And, and I think she's doing a bang-up job with it. Oh, without doubt. Yeah. And, 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 and because she talks about the whole category, she's able to talk about where Kregelicki and Aberfeldy, Altmore, et cetera, fall within the larger category. And that's vital mm-hmm. to establishing a brand. Mm-hmm. Before, Joshua, we hand it over to Holly. Which we have to do soon because... You and I have been blathering on for a while. <laughs> well, we're just mostly trying you, whiskey on for you. size. Yeah, so okay, we're just trying on. Right. Uh, in the interview, I talk about an eight-year-old Craig Ellicke that really was an eye-opener for me, but on mm. the day, I couldn't remember yeah. any of the details. And so I poured myself some to enjoy during this introduction, and I'm already on my second pour of it. It's a Craig Ellicke that I absolutely love. Uh, bottled by Eddie Rattray mm. in 2011. Oh, wow. Oh, that was um, that was uh, if if Indiana Jones four right? came out in ninety seven right yeah okay yep it was uh, <laughs> this was only a five year old sitting in cask at that time I had no idea what was happening in Indiana Jones's fourth movie um, yeah but eight years old from Kregelicki fifty nine point six percent alcohol uh, with a sherry cask two hundred ninety four bottles. But as I describe in the interview, it's just this little fruit bomb. Mm. And whereas I've freshly opened, there was much more strawberries and cream about it. Okay. Sitting okay. here, this is now my second bottle of it that I've opened since 2011. Um, I'm sitting here and it is much more of the developed fruitcake going on. But it's it's a, a delicious, delicious little dram. Uh, if, if anybody wants to be a, a silly monster and go looking for it, the cast number is 90072. And I highly recommend if you see it come up at auction or anything like mm. that, it's well worth your time. Yeah, AD Rattray's had some some good bottlings, and I know you've shared oh, that yeah, with absolutely, me before. Oh, yeah. so. Yeah. yeah. Oh, exactly. Yeah. And this is this is one that I pull out for people coming to the house. I'm like, here, try something in- interesting. Try something off the beaten path. Yeah. Uh, and then they always say Craig Alachi. I'm like, it's Craig Ellicky. Do have a nice time. Mm. So, <laughs> so with my my poor uh-huh. presented, do you want to set the scene for us where we where we met and the little chat that we had, just to frame it for the listener? Yeah. And then we'll boom, we'll cut it over to Holly. So Holly was really good in finding a venue for us to speak at. 
Um, she's she's based in New York City now, which is really funny because she she is at her heart uh, someone who really likes spending time in in the woods and adventuring, <laughs> and and she she's. She's stuck in a different kind of forest, a forest full of metal, cement, and, and, and windows. But because we were visiting her in New York, she knows the New York places, and she was able to get us set up at the Highlands, which, uh, which is a great bar. It really was. Right, on 10th Street in Chelsea. Um, really phenomenal whiskey selection. Uh, they have their whiskeys. They have Single Cast Nation. They've got Kilhoman. They've got... Lovely Brooklady bottling, some good spring banks. They've got Port Esque, you name it. They've got it. It's a really nice bar. Yeah. Pleasantly esoteric. Yeah. It was really yeah. nice to see a collection that was just of things that you wouldn't see walking into 20, you know, self-proclaimed whiskey bars of a day. So yeah, I really enjoyed having a moment to peruse their shelves. Huge thanks to to Andre over at the Highlands for for letting us use his bar before they opened. It, it, it was a huge help. So that that's the scene. We're, we're, we're sitting in one of the rooms at a bar, sipping on some Australian whiskey. I take that back. Tasmanian whiskey that, uh, that Holly brought, uh, as well as some other bottles from her own portfolio that she brought. Tasmania and, is a territory of Australia. You weren't incorrect. I do I, like the opening of the interview where we did discuss American geography, but that's by the by. Well, I just want to make sure that I'm getting the geography of down there, you know, in order. If you can't get down there right, what have you got in this world? <laughs> Listen, the conversation with Holly was a good long one. We probably have a, an hour or so with her. So let's let the listeners listen to a bit more of Holly and a bit less of us. What do you think of that? I think that's perfecto, and the listeners doth rejoice. So, Fanny's Bay, a yes. Tasmanian whiskey. Mm-hmm. You brought us, so you brought us a bunch of things. You brought a Krigeliki, an Aberfeldy, which are two brands that you represent, but then Fanny's Bay and Scapa, which are just whiskeys you're loving right now. Yes, the Fanny's Bay I like to bring just because it's a great uh, conversation piece okay. <laughs> because of the Fanny's Bay. Um, and the people are fantastic, and I like supporting them. And I don't know if they'll ever be released in the U.S. I mean, okay. it's such a small production, and they don't plan to grow. Um, so I just like to share it with people because it, you know, it is something that yeah. we just might not ever see. Um, yeah, and I went back. I was up in Orkney, um, and they had the Scapa 14, which was Scapa 16, which, you know, all these oh, discontinued. Yeah. And I love the 14. So I More so than the 16? I do. Okay. Yeah, I'm a big fan of the 16. Yeah. Um, and the, this, the 14, I had it at the distillery. I came back, uh, not at the distillery, sorry, at um, a bar in town. So they obviously had a yeah. decent amount of stock. And then I was up at Whiskey and Wine off 69, oh, um, yeah. uptown. And there were four bottles of that on the shelf. It was almost like it was meant to be. Nice. That's amazing. What, 
Was it old pricing or did they know <laughs> what they had? pricing. <sighs> and I knew the store oh. owner and I, I couldn't, right? Because okay. I, I know okay. that situation. Yeah. No. yeah, I get it. And so I said, you know, this has been discontinued for at least six or seven years. And you have <laughs> four <laughs> bottles on wow. your shelf. And it's a decent whiskey shop. Um, he had it for like $75 a bottle. Yeah. And I said, I'm going to take two of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, full, like full price, like whatever you want to do. He's like, that's fine. Obviously, he kind of wanted it off his shelf at that point well, as well. Yeah. And then I told a friend. He went up and got one bottle, and I said, if the last one's left, I'm going to buy it next week. So I, I left it for people. Mm-hmm. Good. And good, then good, I good. went back and got the third one. <laughs> so there are no more Scabba 14, so don't run up to Whiskey and Wine off 69. So the six, I remember getting a bottle of the 16 back in 2010, or maybe, maybe 11, maybe 2011. So that's a good nine, 10 years ago. So if this preceded this... Did it precede the 16 or were they two products out at the same time? I don't don't know know. if they overlapped. They might have overlapped, but um, from my research, because I dug, I tried to dig in deep to when this was discontinued and this came before the 16. um, So we slowly lost that, had the 16 and then obviously lost the 16 Uh, to the non-age statements. So you can still find the 16 here and there. Okay. and it's in bars too in the city I've seen. Oh, it. right. So, so you go down to Tasmania, <laughs> and see my geography is fucking awful. Oh, okay, I know it's awful. Go for right? it. Let's Cause, laugh at cause you. Because Tas- Tasmania uh-huh. is different from New Zealand. Oh, is different from Australia. Yes, we know this as humans who have globes in our house. <laughs> uh-huh. but we know this. Okay, but who is it a part of? But who, and that's the part that I don't know. Like, who owns Tasmania, who owns Tasmania? or or is it like, like it's an indi- a tropical uh, paradise? Of- <laughs> like, like like French, French Martinique, <laughs> French New Guinea. Like take French New Guinea for example. It's clear yeah. it's in the title. You know who owns New Guinea? The French. Like, or is it they the did, devil? Yeah. Does the devil own Tasmania? Tasmania? You know, in my time there, I've never seen a Tasmanian devil, and I'm not an expert on this animal. But apparently they're dying from some sort of cancer. Oh, Jesus. So I don't know if that's going to be their national mascot anymore. But it is right in between New Zealand and Australia. But it's part of Australia. So it becomes this mainland and Tasmania dynamic. So, But but you've you've been to all three countries visiting distilleries in all three countries. Am I correct on that? Well, it's just two countries. So, yes. So you've been to Australia... Tasmania, which is part of Australia, <laughs> and have you been to New Zealand as well? Yes, but I, um, I actually haven't visited any distilleries okay. there. Um, okay. New Zealand Whiskey Co. I used to do a lot of work with, but I never went to that old Seagram's facility. Okay. But I did live in New Zealand when I was an undergrad for a year. So I have, oh, okay. um, there's something about that side of the world that intrigues me. So maybe that's why I keep going back for the whiskey in Tasmania but there are a, you know um, and some just won a few awards but you have a, a handful mm. of distilleries now in New Zealand as well North and South Island yep. I always remember Milford mm-hmm. Milford is in uh, is a distillery in New Zealand yeah in Cardrona Cardrona I think I'm pronouncing that correct but that's right near Queenstown Wanaka yeah okay. um, which is a great place to just I mean the thing with New Zealand is you in Tasmania you don't want to come home Really? Is <laughs> yeah. it that magical? Yeah, it's quite magical. So maybe don't go. Yeah. Because yeah. I may never come. We keep talking about getting down there at some point. Well, I want to 
you know, maybe get a a house inside Hobbiton. <laughs> Personally. <laughs> yeah, um, Peter Jackson is on our radar for an interview. He is, yeah. No actually. idea if he likes whiskey. I know he likes cups no. of tea. That's about <laughs> as far as that goes. So my, my the question was going to be after we after oh, we yeah. tackled what is the geography <laughs> of important issues of the day down yes. under down there down there you know just like Isla produces a very different style of whiskey from mainland Scotland is Tasmania producing whiskey that is of its own terroir is it is it markedly different from what producers in Australia are doing or is it kind of similar so that's a that's a big question um that's a good question and and i don't claim to be really an expert on that category anymore but obviously now i consider it a very time-consuming hobby and interest of mine (laughs) just because obviously with my new role i'm not frequenting tasmania Mm. as often but i'm still close with a lot of the the producers um and i you know i hope for the best for them and you know, it's a this new kind of emerging market mm. where obviously there's a lot of new entrants into the the craft or new distillery scene, yeah. um, and I like watching that because it's like watching what Scotland would have went through, yeah. you know, in the 17, 1800s, where okay, we have these production capabilities, we're making you know this consumer good. Mm. How do we make sure that yes, we can be all different, but we all need to produce something that's quality. Because if one produces garbage, we can all potentially look like garbage. Mm-hmm. Ah, so, um, so you're seeing yeah. these growing pains. So for yeah. me, I couldn't be there in Scotland outside of watching Outlander during that time frame. And I am really interested in that kind of historic. Yeah. That's one of the reasons I'm in whiskey is that historical context. So mm. Tasmania and mainland Australia are, are trying to act separately in a way. Okay. So creating a Tasmanian style of single malt. And usually it's single malt, but they are producing rye and obviously blends. And then you have mainland, you know, Australian single malt. So it it already probably is a little bit confusing to Mm -hmm. consumers because it's not a designated term yet either. So, you know, right now anyone could really just list Tasmania on on their bottle or choose not to. Because it's not considered a specific region. Right. So these are the, okay. some of the growing pains that you get to we get to kind of watch, right? Obviously, it's not going to be fun for some people, and mm. it's going to be fun for others. But uh, you're seeing a lot of single malt being produced, and you have Scottish heritage there too. So you know it's sure. a lot of, mm. uh, and you know a lot of these distilleries have heritage, you know, back to the crown. So you know they're pulling from their ties, yeah. um, and you know you're seeing. For me, I don't always talk about terroir. Um, obviously, they're utilizing barley from mainland Australia, typically, which you know could yeah. supply something different. Um, a lot of brewers' yeast is being used, just because okay. there's a lot of brewing that goes on yeah. in Australia and Tasmania. But you know, some are still using distillers' yeast. The real, the biggest part for me is just what's your everyday availability of a cask. In Australia, it's a lot of wine casks, wine casks. a para casks, a lot of um, Australian port casks. So, yeah. for me, it's it's we're just going to see the boundaries pushed of similar single malt to Scotch, yeah. but how are we able to utilize casks in a full maturation? I mean, you see that with Starward, and um, and that's just the tip of the iceberg. So, I used the word terroir before, and I really shouldn't because I don't believe, with the exception of where peat may come from. Mm-hmm. I really don't believe in terroir 
at least as far as Scotch whiskey goes, right? Because right. you know, there's Isla Peat that tastes a certain way, Highland Peat that tastes a certain way. So terroir that's actually of the earth. So that's going to make sense that that's going to be different. But I didn't know if they were purposely they being any distillery on Tasmania purposely trying to say, you know what? Let's set ourselves apart. We you know we want to create something that is different from Australian whiskey. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think it's um, pieces of that, you know, obviously climate and and temperature and, you know, those sorts of cast choices and yeast strands. So I think slowly we're going to see it turn into, Mm. you know, some consistent um, consistencies between the distilleries and what Australia is known for. And single malt is already kind of what's expected or anticipated out of the country because they are growing barley. Um, But some are making bourbon-style whiskeys and rye. Um, So you're seeing quite... Quite a few variations, but single malt is, and that's where my heart lies as well. It tends malt. to be with yeah. barley. I like all yeah. whiskeys equally, okay. but barley a little bit more equally. <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense. Uh-huh. uh-huh. So, so talk a little bit about Fanny's Bay. So what type of production are we looking at there? Mm-hmm. How, are they, how are they bringing this to, to bottle? Yeah, so Matthew and Jules, there are a couple, and I'm so excited that I get to kind of give them a shout out. I love uh, just amazing people. I mean, that's mm. why we're all in the whiskey world to a certain degree, yep. are the people. Um, and I went over, Tasmania was not originally on my list to visit when I was first starting my blog. Mm. It was I was linked up to people over in Tasmania through some connections in Scotland. It wasn't even on my radar, and I was a whiskey oh, okay. person, you know, doing the quotations. So <laughs> I, I went over there, and a lot of them took me in as family. Um, and Matthew and Jules are up north of Launceston, so they're right on the northern coast, um, so headed towards the mainland. Okay. Um, so really kind of off the beaten path, but they're both retired, and you know they just decided, well, why don't we give it a go? This whiskey thing here seems to be <laughs> booming. So how long ago is that? Like when, when did they actually start distilling? Oh, I'd have to, to check my notes on that, okay. but probably at least five years ago. Okay. Okay. You know, five or so, so years ago in their shed in their on the corner of their driveway. Amazing. Oh, my gosh. Are you kidding so me? <laughs> they expanded. It was a big deal because when I was there um, last, which was a year and a half ago, two years ago, they had outgrown the shed for warehousing. So they were expanding. <laughs> and you know us whiskey people, too. We just show up at distilleries mm-hmm. sometimes. So people were just showing up. So they needed a, a place to if you build it, they will come. Uh-huh. So. <laughs> wow. A great couple, though. And, you know, he's an engineer by trade. And Mm. so he built most of the equipment on his own. She designed all the labels and literally sits there and hand labels them. Um, Just the enthusiasm. It's something that they finally get to do together now that they're retired. So um, I like to think I have a a room there and I'm their adopted child. (laughs) So you (laughs) need adopted parents in every country just in case. (laughs) That's cool. So coastal and, you know, that's where all the... The theme comes from. Well, thank you for sharing this. It's so cool to taste something that no one can get. Though we were just saying, talking about YouTube videos, we were like, I will never taste that. I'm not going to watch this <laughs> I YouTube know, I video. I do feel like a jerk because <laughs> I guess there's still some in the bottle. So if I yeah. know anyone, I guess first okay. come, first serve for yep. who wants a sample. <laughs> but for everybody else... Holly's the jerk for bringing this unattainable stuff. <laughs> so to agree with Joshua, thank you for sharing yeah, it. I really thoroughly enjoyed it, it yeah. uh, and learning a bit about them. You mentioned, as you were explaining Fanny's Bay, you went there as a blogger. Talk to us a little bit about how did 
that come about? In, in our last, uh, in a previous episode, we talked about our inspiration coming from Sam Simmons, Dr. Whiskey, mm-hmm. learning, oh, something can be done in the whiskey industry here just from starting out with a blog and having access to the internet. So what was your kind of inspiration? What led you to, to start writing down your whiskey thoughts? Yes, and I'm in the presence of master bloggers, so I have to uh, be careful because um, there were many that came before me that really kind of are the true, you know, blog heads um, that, you know, blaze that whiskey writing trail. Um, and, I, you know, I know that I kind of, I tagged on later in the mix. Um, I try and view it as, well, I just legally couldn't drink yet, so I was just waiting my turn to, <laughs> to write uh, about okay. whiskey. Um, wow. But it's uh no, you guys are young. You're the same age as me. Yeah, right. Um, yeah. But 25 no, twenty-five feels great. Twenty-five. I was going to go with twenty-seven, but <laughs> I would take it. Yeah. <laughs> Don't worry, I'm out of my twenties, so <laughs> this is a good thing. <laughs> Most people that hang out in this bar are not. So. <laughs> so. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm obviously not the first blogger sure. to ever come about sure. to decide to write their opinions about whiskey and mm. what they think it tastes like. And um, and to be honest, the blog started truly, uh, I do not kid you, to just show my parents that I didn't have a drinking problem and that I was doing something uh-huh. and learning something. I mean, it's literally <laughs> why. Yeah. And I don't always have a great memory. So usually I have a notebook. No, I have to write everything down. I will not remember it. So this was a way for me to basically have it forever. So if I lose the notebook, uh, okay. I have it here. Um, is, you know, this, is this why when we walked in, it looked like you didn't even recognize us? <laughs> I do have a bad memory. <laughs> Sometimes when we, I'll go places that I've been many times and I'll, yeah. I'll look at my boyfriend. I'll be like, have I been here? He'll be like, yeah, we skied here two weeks ago. I'm like, oh. Like, I should probably write that down. <laughs> so I'm not always sure where I am, but I always make it to where I need to go. Um, okay. But I do By always have a notebook. By any route. <laughs> so it was truly, and I have a very supportive family. It wasn't like yeah. they were super concerned, but it was a little a little daunting for some people that I knew because I, I worked um, in a different industry, watch and jewelry store design, and I it was oh, a great really? role. Yeah. I was a sales director, you know, one of the first employees for the North American office. It was a, a great thing. Um, consumer goods, I guess maybe that helped me a bit, but one of our, um, what, kind of the culture of our company really involved whiskey at certain times. Yeah. And, I had always been sensitive to smell, but didn't really think anything of it. And, you know, at a young age, I did start smelling and sniffing whiskey's neat. And Mm. I thought, well, this is really cool. You know, and Lagavulin was one of those first ones that I smelled. And I was like, there's just nothing like this. And I just, it wasn't even about drinking. It was really about smelling it. Mm. Um, And unfortunately, now in the city, too, I kind of joke, but I I smell everything. So I smell good things and bad things. Uh You know, when that homeless person walks by, I don't want to, but I... I'm taking that inhale. I don't know. There's something Gosh, where I need I'm to so, smell everything. I'm <laughs> so freaking glad you say that because I feel like an absolute creeper. Mm-hmm. I because I'll I walk around and I just some like people walk by and I yeah. and their I perfume, perfume their hair like gel, I, everything. Yeah. I want to smell that. Yeah. And there's nothing perverse about it, but it's it's like a tick. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You can't yeah. stop. And, oh, I'm so yeah. glad to hear you. You're say You're not that. allowed to smell people's necks. That's that's maybe the part. Maybe you're breaking down too many 
barriers there. Oh, so I should step back a little bit. Uh, that's what I'm thinking. Well, if they have the earbuds in nowadays. You, oh, they won't even know. know you're there. But what if I rub my nose on that? <laughs> you have to be careful with <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, see? see I'll in New just... York, you might get punched on that <laughs> <Yeah>. nose. <laughs> anyway. So, okay, so the so the idea behind the blog, so you're, you're interested in whiskey, and the blog was was something, A, to keep track of your notes, mm-hmm. and B, to prove to your parents that this this isn't just me being into whiskey to get from point A to point B. This is actually something I find fascinating. Right. And the right. blog didn't actually start. So I remember sitting in my Oakland apartment, not really enjoying my job anymore, you know, trying to figure out what I was going to do. Knew I liked, I was literally drinking Lagavulin with my roommate at the time. Yeah. And he said, you should just work in alcohol. And so I got on my laptop and searched um, whiskey, you know, education, whiskey programs. And at that time, this was 2015, um, 2016 timeframe. And I, what came up was, um, you know, some different bourbon programs. And I knew that I liked single malt already at that, or I wanted more education on that side. I knew I would want, you know, a total education. And the IBD, the Institute of Brewing and Distilling, was not popping up. I mean, maybe it was on page four of that Google search, but it was not something that came up. So I found the WSET. So I started the WSET. Um, and I took that at UC Davis. So that was great because everyone there was for viticulture. And I was sitting there, you know, spirits is, yeah. you know, <laughs> uh, a few hours of the chorus. And then whiskey is another uh, five minutes of the chorus. Wow. And then scotch was another 30 seconds. So I was in the wrong place, That's I would a, feel. Yeah. It definitely helped to build my nose and palate. But I got extremely frustrated after doing that for about seven or eight months. Got through the third level and decided to build my own education education program. If there was one thing that my parents had taught me was if you just show up and work hard, you already beat 90% of the people. Um, and so I saved up, I, um, I left my job, put everything in storage, sold a bunch of things and then actually, uh, planned, um, it turned out to be almost a year long trip through Scotland, Ireland, Japan, Mm, Tasmania mm -hmm. and the States. And that's when I started the blog because yeah. You can be interested in something, yeah. but once you leave the job, that's when people start to worry about you. <laughs> you know, that's when the concern <laughs> comes in. They're like, you can't do that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I said, well, worst case scenario is that I learn a ton about something that I, I really care about. Yep. And um, I come back with my tail between my legs and have to find another job in this industry that I'm currently in. So this is, yeah. you know, wor- that was worst case. Yeah. Um, mm. And I had an 11 step plan. Mapped it all out. First stop was Scotland. Maxed out my visitor's visa three months wow. and never looked wow. back. So I was able to to go and do that. And that's when the blog started. So yeah. um, I just bought the domain, Her Whiskey Love, and yeah. started posting. And it was just my mom and my dad and my sister following me. That's it. <laughs> just reading my posts. Where is Holly now? I put the little wow. Google Maps box so they could see where I was at. Obviously, I could call them, but I yeah. thought that was cool. Because I built the website myself. Yeah, so yeah. It was a lot of work. So how long until you got your fourth subscriber <laughs> to your blog? <laughs> I'm not sure. It you know, it definitely yeah. was very whiskey driven and yeah. I like to think that I 
can, you know, for me, it was also people had to be interested in seeing someone take this adventure mm. because I was not a whiskey expert. I mean, I even go back through my first, you know, dozen blog posts mm. from distillery visits and I didn't know what I was talking about. Sure. Yep. You know, so someone, yeah. these, a lot of people same. grew yeah. with me and, you know, you see that as I go into other distilleries and other, you know, countries and, mm. you know, the information came. So people weren't coming to my site necessarily to get the best information for whiskey. It was just to see, okay, what distilleries are out there and I guess, what does this girl think of them? Yeah. Wow. You know, and I was very raw in a lot of my posts where going to have to look into that. Don't know, you know, or next stop is, you know, so you learn something new even to this day, 130 distilleries later, I still learn something new on every distillery tour, whether it's a tour guide or the distillery manager. You've been to 130 distilleries? Yeah, about, uh, I think about 90 or so are documented on the blog. That's wild. So, and some multiple times just because I love them. <laughs> so, what was that like then as you went from just interested amateur to going to Scotland for three months? Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't know how long a visitor visa lasts in Scotland. It's three months. So, okay. Yeah, they, three I months. had to leave. Yeah. Okay. And so, <laughs> I was told to leave. so you're reaching out to distilleries or you just showed up and paid your five pounds and took mm-hmm. your tour? Because I know you spent time working at Nocdo <laughs> uh, with Garden there. Um, yeah, the power of the notebook. Uh, oh, right. Mm. Go on. The power of the notebook. Yeah. I don't oh, know if it's still the case at the distilleries. The uh, well, I, so I had a backpack with me. I traveled with a 70 liter backpack. So I traveled light because you didn't, yeah. you know, you had to be flexible in what you were doing. And I couldn't afford to pay for more checked bag fees. Uh-huh. Um, and so, you know, in the beginning, really the first 20 distilleries, I would say, I was just walking in with the tour groups, you know, the tour buses and, mm. you know, Lone Holly and, you know, can mm. I get a tour of the distillery? And I would draw the stills and I would write down everything that they said. And I would do one to two distilleries a day. And then I would go home to, I would get rooms in Airbnbs and I would mm. literally lay on the floor and just write the blog posts for the day, try the whiskeys and the minis that I had gotten and post it. So it was huh. very much just kind of a lone creeper traveling through (laughs) visiting you know paying her 10 pounds for each distillery but that notebook is you make people uncomfortable Uh uh-huh oh yeah when Mm. you have a notebook oh yeah and little did they know that i was uncomfortable without the notebook because i wasn't going to remember anything Uh, um so i had the notebook and you know some people didn't care and i i just told people you know i'm I'm writing my own kind of whiskey blog and i didn't try and be anything more than i was i'm not a media person Mm. or i'm not writing for forbes i'm not writing for whiskey advocate I said, yeah, I'm just, I want to learn more about whiskey. So I mm. started this website and, you know, this is what I'm doing. And people, um, some people didn't take notice and that's fine. Um, and, but some people asked more questions and wanted to know, okay, well, what's your end goal? Or yeah. what are you trying to do? Or where are you going to next? So people organically, I started getting introduced to people in the industry. Mm. And you probably know being from Scotland too, staying at those Airbnbs with families I was introduced to so many people just through nice hosts helping me. I mean, I got to go through an effluent plant for the day um, because of one of my Airbnb hosts. I mean, that is, I was so excited. You don't get into effluent. (laughs) 
plants. They don't let you in. I wish our listeners could see the, the fire burning in your <laughs> eyes so right now. I'm so excited. As you talk about getting She's into an effluent plant. <laughs> you, you know you've become a whiskey geek when. Oh, yeah, that was cool. So, And that was just through you know yeah. connections. Because once you get up in the north, someone everybody, knows someone. Yeah, everybody knows um, someone. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I, I don't even know what the question was, but that's where <laughs> that's kind of. That's okay. So neither, I think I have four followers now, but I I don't post on it as much. I still try and I still visit new distilleries and mm-hmm. I I try and document something. I'm also um, a hopeless romantic. I still like to write, and I know yeah. that people don't actually like to read, mm. so that's a bit of an issue. So mm. um, it's a thing. I tried yep. to be a vlogger. I got the gimbal, and I, it wasn't for me. Mm-hmm. So. Or is it gimbal? Yeah, where you walk and it steadies oh, your phone. Yeah, 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 yeah. I know what you're talking about. Okay. I tried so hard, but it's not for me. <laughs> no. I'm just old school at heart. Maybe that's There's some value to writing, and there are clearly yeah. people who do still like to read. That's it's clearly diminishing. I met one just last week. I know, classic. <laughs> yeah. 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 Just one. Yeah. Just, yeah. just the one. <laughs> we certainly don't have one of them in our company today. So that's. So okay, so so you you have the blog you're writing. Visited 130 distilleries. He's a numbers guy. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and and then I kn- and then you went into retail. Oh, I thought um, you were gonna say rehab. Then you went into, you rehab. Went into rehab. Twenty-eight. <laughs> you're talking about your 11-step the program. Then Mom went and to Dad a 28-day. Uh, so you went into you went into retail for a while in Massachusetts through mm-hmm. Gordon's Fine Wines. Mm-hmm. Then you went to work with brands like Krigelicki. And Aberfeldy, which we have here, mm-hmm. and Altmore. And one of the questions that Jason and I had, you know, these are all distilleries. They're Bacardi-owned distilleries that have traditionally produced spirit to go into blend. And please correct me if I'm wrong, mm-hmm. for the most part, didn't try to have a massive single malt presence. And now there's, what, six of them? Five of them. Sorry, five mm-hmm. of them that are creating some sort of a single malt presence and making a go of it. And I'm just curious from your standpoint, how is it building brands for distilleries that have been around for a while, a good long while, most people just don't know about them. What's that like? That's why I took the role because I, I'm entrepreneurial at heart. I've yeah. you know tried to start some small businesses in whiskey, and they were not failures. They're just on the back burner, right? Mm. I kind of am, always have some things that I'm juggling that I I think people will find value in and that I'm interested in. Um, and I actually, some people at Gordon's right re- might remember, um, I said I would never be a brand ambassador. <laughs> and oh, right. never say never, Holly. Oh, I know, nice. I know. Came back to sting you. I know. Here I am. Um, <laughs> But I said that I never would because I said, how could you talk about one or, you know, a handful of brands all the time? I love the whole category. There's just no way. um, And my team now will know that I talk about the whole category still. So you can, if you want to be a brand ambassador, you don't have to give up the rest of the whiskey world because it's important too. Obviously, you know, it it gives credibility to our malts and how they fit in. So I was kind of... um, running out of some money. I was starting one of those other businesses that I was trying um, mm-hmm. out of Gordon's. And so, you know, I was trying to figure out, okay, where do I fit? I knew that single malt was my passion. Mm. Some of the projects that I was working on, 
and it didn't look like they were going to come to fruition. And so actually back to my California days, uh, one of my friends who I met at um, a whiskey event, I forget which one, but one of the whiskey extravaganzas or whatnot, um, his name is Frank. He's one of my closest friends. He was working for Remy. So um, I tried on, you know, those, the Brook um boots and, you know, we bonded <laughs> and we kept in touch and he yeah. followed, he was my fourth follower actually. Uh-huh. So he, yep, okay. he followed okay. my blog with two emails. So I felt like <laughs> I had five followers Ooh, um, <laughs> and we stayed in touch for a long time and it was, it was very ironic. I got a call from him. I knew he had moved over to Teeling, which mm. is a um, Bacardi brand. And he said, they're finally ready to really launch the single malts in the US, I need your resume. Whoa. And so I was like, all right, cool. And you know, I met with the team and and I had been talking to some other brands just to kind of feel it out and see because every brand ambassador role for each company is quite different. Okay. They seem the same, but I found that they actually are quite different. And so when I met the team, amazing people, some of the best people I've mm. ever worked for and with, and the, this is grassroots. I mean, a lot of it was, yeah. we have this vision, we've done this so far, but we need people to help us get there. And sure. we want your opinion and we want your your input. You know, it's going to be a struggle. We A lot of people have never tried these. You're not going to walk into a place mm-hmm. and be able to say, I am such and such. You know what it tastes like. You know everyone wants it. Yeah. Um, can, yeah, I pause, can I pause you for one second? Mm-hmm. For the benefit of our listeners, when you're saying not all brand ambassador positions are created equal, mm-hmm. could you explain that a little bit for our listeners who maybe have no idea what that means? Sure. Hmm. Good. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, and I think even within the scotch industry, um, there's lots of different facets mm-hmm. that could be titled brand ambassador. And then obviously you open up the floodgates for American whiskey and other brands yeah. that could be different. You know, that everyday pull for the brand ambassador title is your education that reflects into commercial success. Okay. And that's tricky for mm. companies that need to make money, <laughs> especially if you're public, right? You, Especially in whiskey, you need education, but it, it has to reflect somehow. So you're not, some are much more sales driven mm. and mm-hmm. some are much more of the education, what we would call advocacy driven. Okay. And all of them involve both but you you get a feel for you know which side you think you'd be a better fit on mm. and the sales side is not necessarily you know what we think of like cold calling and all of that but you're just you're more conscious and more in tune and in those meetings where you're talking about numbers and volumes so okay. it's not necessarily you know you're the sales guy you know knocking on the door but you're involved in that side of the business more so than what's the vision for these brands and mm. you know what's our marketing strategy so mm-hmm. okay. there's in each one kind of dabbles in both because we're in this hybrid role between brand management marketing and how do we help the local sales teams uh, to execute okay. what's happening Certainly. over here so you, so you had you would have local sales teams that work with the whatever distributor it is and you're there to help them along to educate them to help them get bottles onto and off from shelves right yeah Yeah. point a to point b so we have this goal for the brands this is the marketing plan the brand plan this is our vision for them where they fit and then i take them and help the distributors and the local sales team execute that and be able to train people on them and you know provide value to the brands gotcha. and, you, and you know that from yeah. from your role as well you know there's lots of mini in-between roles that mm-hmm. are to help support multiple facets of different divisions of the company mm-hmm. um, 
you know, we're on the street. So yeah. we're, the, we're the voice of the brand. Yeah, exactly. 100%. Mm-hmm. So I'm guessing when you're presenting your, your five distilleries, the reason you're getting to talk about the entire category is part of that education that you just talked about, where you can't understand five distilleries in a vacuum. You need to understand the larger lay of the land to then position those five within that. Would that be a, a fair assessment? For sure. And because just a lot of people haven't had them yet. I mean, how yeah. do you start that conversation? They're going to say, <laughs> well, I like to drink Glenfiddich. Okay, well, so where, what's the starting point to that? You have to understand the brands that they know and that they're aware of to be able to fit your brands in. And not that exactly. one's better than the other, but okay, well, then this is the world. You'd fit in Devrin, right? Mm-hmm. You would fit in Aberfeldy, yeah. potentially Altmore if you want to push the boundaries. You can start talking about where things fit, and then by the end of that training, you've spoken to the whole back bar. Yeah. You know, then you have yeah. the questions, why is Japanese whiskey cool? <laughs> you know, like the it goes, and you have to be ready for that because you're yeah. not only you're the brand expert, but you, I think it's, you, you know, have to be a whiskey expert. A category yeah, expert. yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. And, and that's why I love it. So I, you know, I'm talking about yeah. lots of different brands all the time and how we all complement each other um, and where ours could fit as a complement to mm, other things mm-hmm. that are already out there. Because a lot of these big brands, they're the trailblazers and they're the reason that we have this foothold in the single malt category to even yes. have a chance to bottle something yeah. and have people want to drink it. Yeah. Yes. Yep. So. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, the the distilleries that you're representing are all distilleries that those that drink independently bottled whiskey would know but the regular mm-hmm. drinker they simply wouldn't they wouldn't know they don't have a point of reference they may, may not even understand why these distilleries have existed for a hundred plus years mm-hmm. before they started putting out their own single malt which is another yeah. 45 minute conversation <laughs> yeah, right <laughs> i have many i've learned to shorten things uh <laughs> as, as best i can you know i i speak about blends a lot Good. And yeah. to yeah. category or not to categories to people that probably weren't ready for that topic yet, but we have to do it mm-hmm. because you're not going to understand where these came from and where a lot of the whiskeys we drink come from mm-hmm. um, and how they all fit. And because otherwise, you know, I've heard people leave and when I don't speak to that and the his- history of blends and single malts. Yeah. And how they each are produced. Um, oh, this I tried this new craft distillery in Scotland called Aberfeldy. <laughs> you know, it's new. Yep. It's it's yeah. only five years old. No, we were released five years ago. It's n- it's not new. Yeah. <laughs> it's a very old <laughs> distillery. Have you ever heard of John Dewar? <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, so yeah, it's all of those yeah. little pieces of the yeah. puzzle. But that's why, you know people are so interested in the category. Mm. So we do have to dive in head first. And I just tell people, take a deep breath. We're going for it. We're going for it. I've got the grains. We're yeah. going to out right here. I've got the new make spirit. We're going to talk about it. Oh, we're going to get through yeah. it together. <laughs> <laughs> so hopefully so far I haven't scared anyone out of the category. Oh, that's fantastic. <laughs> and you're finding people are receptive to that. They're, they are eager to learn. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, you know, obviously they're not taking away. This is everyone's free time, you know, especially yeah. in the consumer world. Yeah. That was the fr- I was used to a B2B mm-hmm. uh, style where mm-hmm. we were all working. Um, yeah. But obviously, you know, in the whiskey world, I'm working. It's their free, their free time, time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> which is a very different uh, experience when it's their free time. Do you miss um, it? Do you miss the B2B? Uh, it's more structured. Yeah. 
you know, it's a little bit more black and white. It's a little bit more straightforward. I mean, but I have way better stories in this uh, oh. B to B to C. <laughs> so. All right. You yeah. Have crazier you things open could the door, happen. Holly, open the door, open the door. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I, I'm really curious to taste the Aberfeldy and Kregelicki. Is there one we should taste before the other? Or did you want to taste a little Scapa before that? I, you, mm-hmm. You're you're running the whiskey show. <laughs> so are you? You're going to try both. Yes. Of the the Kregelicki and Aberfeldy, I think you should. Yeah. yeah, of course. So what's great, and you'll know because you're familiar with Kregelicki and anyone out there, we burned oil underneath our malt last distillery to do that, um, and the worm tub, so less copper mm-hmm. contact than yeah. normal. So it's quite aggressive or robust, it's known for. Um, we used to say meaty, but people thought we put meat in the whiskey. So, you know, has these qualities and tendencies. Yeah. Um, it's really history in a bottle. That's one of the reasons yeah. why I really yeah. love the brand. So it's known to be the most aggressive of our portfolio, since we don't have a peated whiskey. This 19-year-old actually is quite delicate yeah. and has some brighter, you've tasted some older Kregelicki, almost headed towards that tropical, musty, sparkly mm-hmm. side of things. Mm-hmm. Where the Aberfeldy is known as the golden dram, right? Everyone smiles, it's honey, golden, fruit, apricots, cinnamon, you know, it's the bourbon drinker, scotch, it's known as the welcome, more mm. welcoming of the two. Oh, okay. But this Aberfeldy is is pretty bossy. And so I like oh, okay. seeing Aberfeldy in a different light. And mm. this, um, you do not find cast strength Aberfeldy. It's very, very rare. Yes. You'll find it once in a while in independent bottlers, but still then, mm-hmm. I mean, Chieftains was the last one I saw. Hogsheads, 46%. It's just yeah. very rare. You have to physically go to the distillery or, you know, it's, um, and do the hand fill. Um, I may see a single cast nation one. Oh, I'm excited. Please do. You'd be the ones that I would expect to do it. Um, but it's rare. You know, I think Scotch Malt Whiskey Society had one recently. So it's just few and far between. You don't yeah. find it as often. So Absolutely. Um, this is our first time ever releasing cast strength, single casts of any of our brands in North America. Oh, wow. So this was a huge moment for us. We've had a team of ambassadors for almost two years. And this was kind of our celebration of we're here and we're ready to play. That's awesome. So, I've got something to say. I got something to say. I've got something to say. I have something to say. I got 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 something to show. Name of a hit and run driver is. I got something to say. I Derek Blake. knew it. I'm so glad you say that because first of all, the 19 year old single cask that we're tasting is is fantastic, is absolutely fantastic. fantastic. For me, the nose opens with a cold beef fat, mm-hmm. uh, and it always reminds me about my mum's beef stew that mm-hmm. would sit on the stove overnight, and in the morning, if you lifted the lid, you could smell that cold beef fat coming off the top of the stew. And so it sets you up in one direction. Mm -hmm. On the back of the palate, as it transitions from palate into finish, 
it's big, juicy red berries. Mm. Yeah. And it's like, how the hell do you get from cold beef fat up front to juicy red yeah. berries at the back? Without them being disconnected. Yeah. Oh, no. And, right. and they're all they fixed. transition yeah. into each other. Yeah. It's, yeah. And they kind of explode. <clears throat> this is what I find with Krigalki. When the fruit shows up, it explodes in your mouth. It's kind of this bright fruit. Mm. In the younger ones, it's more of a citrus um, sort of quality for me. Mm. And then it continues to go into this, you know, kind of tropical headed towards you know whatever fruit you get but it can really kind of light up and be quite bright and that's the fun dynamic of it is it wants to be i say it Mm. wants to be a space side right it wants to show you fruit 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 i am fruity this is me um you know the region that it's known for but there's something fighting it you know there's almost something trying to hold it back that's why i think it's such a you know when you're looking for a thinker whiskey where you know, you're trying to get lots of different experiences in one bottle. Mm. You know, this is, Krigalki is one of those brands that can offer that sort of experience. Yeah. And, you know, just thinking back to some of the Krigalkis that we've bottled, the first, not the first one, but the second one we did, the 10-year-old, 10-year-old, 67.3%. And it was, <laughs> so first off, big. Yeah. Um, always poured literally. it for groups without mentioning the strength of it. Always poured it. No water droppers on no. the table. But it, but it really was not fruity in any way. I mean, it was just straight up chicken soup not umami. Yeah. like Massive umami bomb. Massive yeah. umami bomb. And in my mind, it kind of shows how versatile their spirit is. How uh, maybe not vers- versatile it, it could be the word, but how expressive it can be and how expressive it can be in different directions. Right. Which I which fascinates me, and this is this is why Krigeliki has been one of my favorite distilleries yeah. for, the, for years. The, the first time I had Krigeliki bottled by an independent bottler, it would have been eight years old. I don't remember the strength of it, but it just had big strawberries and cream. Is it the Black Adder? No, oh, okay. no. They had an I'm, I'm trying to think who it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was actually introduced to it by uh, by a very good friend of ours, Moscow Jim in Moscow, Idaho. Mm-hmm. Who collects Craig Ellicky. Like oh, that, awesome. that's his jive. And so mm-hmm. when we started bottling Craig Ellicky for the nation, Moscow Jim was the first person I reached out to. He oh, was awesome. over the moon that that's what we had going mm-hmm. on. Um, this this makes me, the back of this makes me think so much of that independently bottled eight year old mm-hmm. that had strawberries and cream yeah. right across yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the middle of the palate. Well, and that's the core range is so interesting because we go a little bit heavier on the ex-bourbon with some sherry in the 13, much heavier on the Oloroso sherry on the 17, Mm. which really makes it that meaty, Mm. meatier quality. I mean, the weight of it just kind of takes on, obviously, from the sherry. But then in the 23 and older, it's mostly hogsheads and ex-bourbon. And you see this, um, this transition of they all are totally different faces of Kregel. I mean, they could not be light years yeah. apart, which usually in a core range, you, you get it. You see the progression. Even if one's, you know, finishing something different, you kind of mm. feel the progression. But between the 13, 17, and 23, you see this very angry 13-year-old yeah. to this heavier kind of moody 17-year-old. And then it becomes this delicate lady delicate. in the 23. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're like, who? You see it grow up <laughs> in front of you, and you're like, how did it get there? Yeah. The, um, the 13 is a staple on my shelf. Mm-hmm. I I don't know if I'd call it angry, but I call it formidable. Yeah. yeah. Just, yeah, a yeah. little pissed. Just like a little, uh, <laughs> a little ornery. Not a good day or a bad day. Yeah, it was just like a whatever day. 
I just texted Moscow Jim that he has to buy a bottle of this. So yeah, what is this? Just for my own personal, what does this go for? So the Kregaliki 19, we had two Kregaliki single casts, three Aberfeldies put um, in different markets around the U.S. Mm-hmm. The Kregaliki 19 is available in New York State and Chicago. Okay. That I'm seeing around here go for like 200 to 220 a bottle. Okay, so close to yeah. $10 per year. I like that. Uh, yeah, I know your your math. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> and then we had a Kregaliki 23, which was released, uh, again, a second fill sherry, but released in California, mm. which, you know, would be a fun vertical to do with the core range 23, just to kind oh, of see yeah. how yeah. it presents, which we're not bottling actually for two years. So it's not actually knowing it's not available, but it's still on shelves places. So if you like the 23, it's... um. I think I talked about it too much, so um, we ran off it a little bit. It's one of my favorite whiskeys of, yeah. of all time. Sucks when you're doing um, your job that well. I know. Well, I didn't. A little forewarning would have helped that, <laughs> hey, slow down on the, the 23 here. Um, so just those two. And travel retail, you know, mm. obviously independent bottlers too, but you'll you'll see different. Um, Stephanie's worked a lot with Palo Cortado. Mm. in travel retail with Kregaliki, which is really oh, fun. Mm. Those yeah. red berries that you were yeah. talking, I mean, those are mm. heavy, heavy hitters in those Pelo Cortado casts. So, um, so yeah, you'll see some more stuff from us in the future, but at least kind of letting um, more of the tropical side show, you know, the fruitier side with some of these um, single casts for this round. Okay. Science. What is it all about? Technology. What is that all about? Is it good or is it whack? There's a bloke from around my hood, Staines, called Rainbow Jeremy, who reject everything to do with science. He just chill at home, he smoke his own homegrown, and check this, he don't have a telly. Mm-hmm. I ain't shitting you, he don't have a telly. Yeah, he lives in a you, house though. Yo, you and should, that you house can, is a product of technology. No, he ain't got no technology in it. You can check out his website. So, so pivoting back here, so we just poured the Aberfeldy. Mm-hmm. Talk to us about the Aberfeldy Distillery. Um, I was just there in November, mm-hmm. thanks to you, thank you. <laughs> um, and I know the claim to fame is from the Still House. You can see J.K. Rowling's uh, <laughs> sc- Scottish property, uh, one of her Scottish properties. And what's that, um, the Irish redheaded guy that's really famous? I'm not good with pop culture. That's a singer. Um, oh, very, the, very famous. Ed Sheeran. Ed, Ed Sheeran. I saw Carrot, his signature. No, Carrot Top. <laughs> Carrot Top. Carrot Top. Oh, yeah. yeah I saw Ed Sheeran's uh, signature his, on yeah, the cascans that are in the old warehouse. He has a tattoo of Aberfeld. He's a big fan of there Aberfeld. Apparently a childhood friend. I, I might actually get in trouble for that. Apparently he doesn't want to be involved from a PR standpoint. Uh, of course, we approached him being like, hey, do you want to be our spokesperson? And also, do you have like, an no. Aberfeldy <laughs> tattoo on you? Like, Oh, jeez. As long as he keeps coming to the distillery for surprise visits, I guess it's fine. But that was apparently a big deal. And people asked me from the UK and I'm like, as the American, I was kind of like, Ed Sheeran. Let me go. Let me. He does have some pretty famous songs, so uh, I just kind kind of dismissed it for some reason. Um, yeah. So. Um, so it's not a new kid on the block. It wasn't just opened five years <laughs> no, ago. No, it wasn't. Um, eighteen ninety-eight is on the label for a reason. Oh, eighteen ninety-eight. Yeah, I mean, you can write whatever you want on those labels. Yeah. Hey, people. Um, <laughs> eighteen ninety-eight. Pay attention. Yeah, this one is. Um, you know, obviously the village, all of the villages in, you know, where these distilleries lie, you know, have water and, you know, they're beautiful locations. But right in that Karen Gorms Park, I mean, it's, 
you know, mountains in the background. It's mm. really an awesome place to, to spend some time. Um, and this was founded by um, the Dewar's family. Mm. Yeah. Um, so, you know, you had, you know, the whiskey barons and grocers and they were obviously buying different whiskeys and selling whiskeys and, you know, we're becoming blenders. And what do you do next as a business uh, person and entrepreneur? You control some of your supply chain and have some more power and mm. what you can, you know, can barter with. So Aberfeldy is actually just a few miles down the road is where John Dewar Sr. grew up. So ah, it's, it's kind of okay. back to their roots. And it's our, the only distillery that's open to the public. So you can go for a yeah. tour. The rest, you know, you have to, uh, we're just not set up. It's just the distillery manager and the still men um, mm. and mash men that would be there. So at the distillery, we have the visitor center and it is welcome to the home of doers. And it's to help explain, I mean, the historical the amount of historical documents and memorabilia in that building. If you actually, if you like that stuff, um, Jackie, who's our archivist, she has, it's amazing. They held really good records and the history of both his two sons that were integral parts of building this distillery and building that Dewar's brand. It's really um, the marketing geniuses. Wow. So there's a lot of history to it. And yeah, Eberfeldy has been kind of that workhorse for that Dewar's brand. And it's known to have that honeyed, cookied, cinnamon sort of quality to yeah. it. You know, a little bit, maybe a little bit heavier than that Speyside region, but a classic Highland, right? Whatever. Mm -hmm. Highland's kind of the dump all category. You uh -huh. didn't fit anywhere else. But um, I guess if you had a classic Highland style, it, it might be Aberfeldy. And it's just, it's your everyday sipper, right? It's the one that you can go to. It, I call it, what party are you going to? Are you going to the whiskey nerd party? Then maybe you take this. Are you going mm. to the party where people maybe like whiskey, but they're going to take it as, shot, as a shot? Yeah. You bring this. Are you going to the party where no one, they don't know anything about whiskey? Aberfeldy can fit every environment mm. because it just has these very kind of welcoming, warming mm. qualities to it. Yep. Um, and I talked about this with the women who whiskey. It gets called approachable a lot. And approachable has also had a kind of a negative connotation mm. in the whiskey so. world. It has a good personality. Yeah, and I just, I try and fight that because approachable yeah. is not a negative thing. I don't know where we this we took this left-hand turn, but approachable is actually a very pleasant thing if you're trying to make a friend. Um, and there's different environments for different, I mean, I've been called unapproachable, so I don't know. Never, never. <laughs> I guess I'm more Kregalicky, like, don't talk to me. Um, but, you know, it's sometimes... And, but man, sometimes you just need the, the shoe in, right? The whiskey that's going to have mm. lots of good flavor mm. and everyone that's with you is, is going to enjoy it and it's going to be fine. Like everything's yeah. going to be yeah, good. Yeah. You, don't, yeah. you don't have to go over the top of explaining warm tubs or explaining, you know, it's a, a beautiful single malt that fits the bourbon world, fits the new to whiskey, but the Scott, everyday yeah. scotch drinker is comfortable yeah. with it. Yeah. And it, it does have that reputation. And the 16, we do an extra six months of first fill Oloroso sherry aging. So okay. actually the 16 is quite heavily sherried and a lot of people skip over that mm. um, so they'll go 12 if they like the 12 they go right to the 21 mm. we don't write that anywhere on the bottle or the packaging so you just take my word for it but it's true um, and so you know we have some different variations within it so to see cast strength Aberfeldy really show people like mm. hey we actually have a broad capability you know in regards to our spirit as well why do you think people are skipping over the sherried version Probably because we don't write it on the, we don't really emphasize it from a marketing standpoint. I think, you know, 
that's something that we'll we'll talk about. And Stephanie tends to, um, you know, she wants to create some different variances for people to explore in each of the ranges that we have. And she tends to go heavier on the Oloroso sherry casts in the teenage years. Okay. Um, and you see that throughout all of our whiskey. So just like with as you guys. A not always, just Aberfeldy is a finish. Royal Brockle is as well. The other three are just a heavier um, percentage. Okay. Mm. And that's something that we do a little bit differently is that some of our new make spirit goes into first fill bourbon, mm. um, some into refill sherry, and some into first fill sherry. Mm. And once in a while, we'll have some hogsheads too, but it'll live its whole life separately and then married back together for vatting at mm. age. Ah, so it's okay. not, you know, it's not aged in X bourbon or hogshead and then finish for maybe six months, two mm-hmm. years in sherry. Mm. She believes it has to live separately and then it can be brought back together. And then okay. if she wants to do some more finishing on it or whatnot, mm. we'll go from there. So just Aberfeldy 16 and Royal Brockla 16. The rest just swing heavier onto the sherry cask percentage with you. that is going into it. With okay. you. Well, that makes perfect okay. sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Fits okay. beautifully with what we discussed with Pete Lynch at Whistlepig as well for what he was doing with the blending and bringing profiles yeah, together. Point. Yep. Yeah. Spot on. Yeah, good Tied point. back to so many episodes today. I greatly <laughs> appreciate it. I'll have to listen to Pete's. Uh, I haven't seen Pete in a while. Okay. Let's listen to his episode. We he's, enjoyed it. Yeah, he's a good we, lad. Yeah, he's, he was good. He was a lot of fun. <laughs> he was a lot of fun. <laughs> this is, is so excellent. As much as I loved the Krigelki, which I did, did love it, <clears throat> maybe it's my mood, but this Aberfeldy is just singing for me. It's big honey. Huge, yeah. overflowing. I'm glad you still get the honey oh, because luxurious it does have, honey at that. I get kind yeah. of an earthy quality oh, coming out of it too. Like I get this a little bit of a sooty, earthy okay. quality to it, which for me, you know, on the nose or the palate? Um, on the palate. Okay. I see what you're saying, mm-hmm. and I get that, but that's not what jumps out to me. To me, this is, it's honeysuckle. It's just like mm-hmm. big honeysuckle, and maybe the two are, can be combined. It's almost like a dank. Honeysuckle. When I on the nose, I get kind of a damp honey. Yeah. If you've had yeah. some of the um, the darker honeys, like a Japanese yeah, knotweed or that kind of yep. damp um, or buckwheat honey or yeah. something like that. Yeah. It's got that damp weight to it. Yeah. Yeah, and it's you know normally in a tasting I would do Aberfeldy first. Mm. Yeah. And then we would move on to Kurgalaki, but in this instance I got to switch it around. Yeah. Um, okay. Because I just I find, yeah, for me it's on the finish that kind of earthy. Hmm. I get this like dirt, earth, soot, and I, I'm very sensitive to Oloroso sherry. I'm, I can, you know, sometimes it can lean towards the fruity, uh, yeah. red fruit side, but it can also lean towards an earthy, yep, kind of funk. And sure. I'm very sensitive to sherry funk. A certain fecundity, <laughs> if you will. Yes. Sensitive in that you're averse to one style and the other, or you, or not or adverse. Else? I yeah. just can't stop tasting that ah, it's very it's inescapable yeah, yeah it's what i yeah. what i think of but it's good that you mentioned honeysuckle because now when i go into my tastings though too i need to remember that it's not just earth damp yeah aberfeldy yeah, <laughs> yeah no, no I, I really yeah. yeah i really do get this luscious running mm-hmm. you know rich honeyed quality to it that's really delicious which is great that after really its delicious. whole life in a first fill oloroso sherry butt that the, the new make spirit, I should have brought some, but it has that honeyed quality to it. I mean, it's mm. there from, it has this kind of yeah. cookied 
honeyed quality to it already yeah. as a new make spirit. So yeah. to, to be honest, Holly, we've gone past new make spirit. We're now oh. into yeast tasting. So yeah, after mentioning that Gordon Bruce let us taste his yeast, we had Ian oh, Robertson yes. at, at Rassi Distillery reached mm -hmm. out and said, whenever you guys come to visit the distillery, you can taste yeah. our yeast as well. And yeast isn't a thing you get to taste a lot of. And so, yeah, new make's right. great. Love tasting new make. Over it. Yeast, yeast <laughs> is where it's at. So last year. Yeah. Start carrying liquid yeast around with you in a in a Yeti cooler. No, oh. I think ours is yeah, just dry yeast. So that should be easy enough to okay. give you some. Okay, there you go. Slurry it up ourselves. That's it exactly. Yeah, ready to go. Oh, this is it, <laughs> Holly. Holly part two. <laughs> I, 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 I'm I'm just trying to picture you, you know, checking a bag of yeast onto the plane. <laughs> What's this uh, crumbly, pasty like thing? Nothing. Yeah. Don't yes. you don't Not need cocaine. to worry about it. Do you have any meat or fruit <laughs> that you're bringing into the country? Nope. Nope. I don't. <laughs> yeah, they don't have on the list. Meat, fruit, have you been with animals? Are you, do you have yeast on you? I, I yeast think, and fungus. I think you've been misreading that question. It's not have you been with animals. It's not a, it's not a sexual question, Joshua. You've been misreading that. That's why you keep answering yes, though. It all becomes clear. Like, you don't have anything in here, sir. I don't know why you keep checking no, yes. No, so, but I've been with animals. Wait. If you know what I mean. We know so, what you mean, sir. So Please when, keep walking. When it says, have you lain with animals? So I thought it just meant took, See, took a nice nap. Now you're reading your Bible. Yes. You're reading your Bible on the plane again. You're back to the Torah now. And didn't shower since. Yeah, you answered correctly. But. Yeah, no. No, it's like, you know, it's like meeting a celebrity and you shake that their hand. You don't want to wash that hand. I mean, we all, right? Are we... Are we on the same page? Let's be honest. Inevitably, the episode will go off the tracks. It's currently, <laughs> it's currently off the tracks. It has happened. Um, one of the things that I thought about when it comes to... <laughs> Professional. See, Look at that. <laughs> Professional. But So I think about your portfolio. Kriegelke, Aberfeldy, uh, Royal Broccola, <laughs> Altmore. You're thinking so hard right now. And Macduff, a.k.a. Devron. Mm -hmm. There's no peated in there. I know. So do you, do, do you think that, that that's something lacking? Is, is that a, a positive thing? Is it not even an issue? I mean, it doesn't really come up that often. Okay. I would love to have that as kind of round out the trifecta of what we have to offer. But obviously, they're a little bit fewer and farther between. Mm. I mean, I don't know if you know of any distilleries available for sale um, over on Isla. <laughs> but there's not, on not Isla, as no. many. Not on Isla. Um, but okay, so barring the opportunity to purchase an Isla distillery. <laughs> I'm speaking on behalf of Bacardi right now. Yes, we're in the market for, um, if anyone knows of any peated whiskey distilleries. Bigger the name, the better. <laughs> but do, do, do any of these distilleries produce a, a peated expression e even part-time peated production in the past mm. they have so i don't know maybe it's something that we revitalize obviously as you guys know it can be a pain to kind of switch gears from peated you know gordon yeah. can talk about that at Nakdu and yep. different distilleries because it it's a dedicated time and cleaning session to to get that out of the mix um so we have in the past who knows what what could happen in the future um you know, Kergalaki kind of fits that bill right now well, a little bit for yeah. if someone wants, you know, and people ask for the competitive set of Kergalaki and that's, I say there's nothing like it. You know, it's one of a kind, which it, it kind of is the right answer because mm -hmm. I have mm -hmm. to put it in with kind of a, a Highland Park, Oban, Springbank, Talisker world where yep. we're not peated, but it's a little bit more robust than 
you know, a Highland Speyside. So it's it's hard to kind of put that in a category so that at yeah. least fits the buttons for now. But and um, I think here with with us on that one and presenting that at a tasting, it's exciting mm -hmm. to talk about a distillery that doesn't fit into a category that starts to bend the definitions of the region within which it finds itself. Like these are exciting things to say about Craig Ellicke and we love presenting on it and clearly speaking to you today, you love presenting on it. And that's it's what keeps them, not that we're losing anyone, but you know, this is a consumer good. So mm. what keeps them in the category? You know, there's a lot of cool yeah. new things out there now, you know, with Mezcal and different things. So what keeps them in the category? And yeah. that the beauty of continuing to have new old distilleries come out and show the, mm. the width and the bandwidth of what can be produced just in Scotland, let alone yeah. the rest of the world, is that you tell them this is a lifelong sport you just you have to try them all <laughs> you know it's you, continually you get them in already yeah. invested in this is forever yeah yep. <laughs> you cannot yeah. leave yep. yeah yeah <laughs> yep yep well and, and here we are and you know we started talking you know before we hit the record button but we're talking about the revitalization of lechig mm -hmm. uh Haven, deanston right if, if you'd written those off 10 years ago you're now missing another part of the industry. The fact that we can now break down the doer's blend into the component parts. If you never knew that was happening or coming, mm -hmm. you're missing another part of it. It's, it's always evolving. There's always something new mm -hmm. worth exploring that's worth your time, that's worth your money. And it's been interesting because in a lot of the interviews we conduct, we're asking, where do you see this industry going? Clearly right now it's being hit incredibly hard by the 25% tariffs. Right. Like that's an absolute cluster right now. Mm -hmm. Nobody in the last three years of this podcast that we have talked to ever saw the tariffs coming. Right. Um, but everybody we had spoken to saw a robust industry mm -hmm. that was still evolving within the rules and the constraints of the SWA. Mm -hmm. But in listening to you now, you're saying the exact same thing. There's always something new to be discovered. And so I want to ask you specifically, what are you excited about mm -hmm. as you're looking at your next five years in this industry, mm -hmm. your next five years as a consumer of this industry? What gets right. Holly excited? It's kind of a two-part question. You know, one of my passions, and I I don't know if I'll, how I'll actually work within this, but a lot of times I get the question, should Scotch be worried about New World producers, mm -hmm. right? So mm -hmm. Taiwan, India, um, Australia, yeah. even American single malt. But, you know, should Scotch be worried? You know, their, their mm. rules are so strict. And I don't see it like that at all. Mm. It's a compliment to keep people involved in our category. Yeah. It's a way to keep them engaged and show them that it's continuing to expand, to push their palates. And, and what happens when, you know, then they can mix in those styles of whiskeys with their scotch cabinet. And it's, you're opening it up to a much larger demographic. I mean, you know, yeah. at the marketing boardrooms, it's how do we get this new demographic, women, younger people, you know, what do, how do we do it? And mm. this is your outlet. Someone else is going to help you do it, you know? So it's ways to get yeah. people a new, a few new entrances to get people into the category, which will lead them to scotch because it is mm -hmm. a staple where a lot of people, yep. their history is tied into us. So we're kind of the anchor that's attached to them. Like, hey, yeah, you exactly. know, us and bourbon, right? I would say, yeah. and, and yeah. rye to a certain degree. I mean, up in Canada, you 
you have this in Ireland. Sorry, I left Ireland. You have an to... An entire <laughs> country, an entire people are know, really sorry. fucking pissed yeah. off at you. They're, right um, now. they're actually a part of Australia. Oh, that's what I heard. <laughs> yeah. That's what I heard. They just joined. Yeah, they, Australia, they, Tasmania, they, and Ireland. Yeah, yeah. so yeah. They, Australia is down under and uh, Ireland is just up there. Yeah, yeah, they yeah. just shifted the island yeah. down. Yeah. It was easy enough. Checks out. Um, Continental drift. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so I'm excited to continue myself just exploring that side mm. of things because I love just continuing to push the boundaries of it. And mm-hmm. and you're always going to come back to, we need to keep people in the category. And what better way to kind of refresh it and inject it with some new flavor profiles yeah. and new attention to the category. You know, mm-hmm. you need to continue to liven it up and you know, and, and get people continuously involved in it. And, you know, my end goal too is from what I've seen from all of these new world producers and these different types of casts and all of these cool whiskeys that I've been able to try is, and working with consumers is I want to have more of a say of what goes into the bottle. Mm. Um, and you know, obviously the Scotch whiskey association is giving us some more leeway these days and hopefully it continues to, to grow, but being able to have some of those decisions, whether on the blending or production side Mm. where, you know, I've been in sales my whole life and, Mm -hmm. I've always sold something that I believed in, but someone else designed it or created it. And that bothers me for Uh some reason. Um, So I, I want to eventually get onto that side, but still obviously helping to, you know, give light and transparency, transparency to consumers of, you know, this wide world that, that Mm. we're involved in. And, you know, once you've had a few, it's only, you just scratch the surface. Oh, I know. So, We got to keep them hooked. I'm all about, I come from that consumer, you know, from watching jewelry, it's all about, you know, how do we continue to keep people interested in it? Because there's, we're distracted every three seconds by something. So, um, and there's lots of new things with low ABV and, you know, whatever it is. And, you know, all of them have their different facets and why they're popular and, but how do we continue to keep people interested in our history and, Mm. you know, our category and, you know, I think there's lots of different ways that we can do that. And that's how we're going to survive. It's staying true to ourselves, but also letting others into the party. That's brilliant. I love that idea that all roads lead to Scotch whiskey. I think Hmm. they do. Right? (laughs) The anchor. When you look at the historical context, they do. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's a reason why single malt is coming from half of those countries. Right, that I because they're taking inspiration from something that they fell in love with mm-hmm. or something that was carried over when they emigrated from Scotland to another country. Right. It's, it's, it makes good sense. And a young person in Australia that maybe is not interested in scotch, maybe they still do think it's an old man's drink or whatever they think it is, whatever could come, you know, a stigma attached to it. They want to support local. They mm. go try a single malt from the new distillery down the road. Mm-hmm. They they get into it. They start learning more about them, going to other distilleries. Yeah. And voila, now all of a sudden you have them grown into, okay, well, let's try scotch. Exactly. You, it's There's different exactly. ways to get them involved and there's different time frames. It's just ways to keep talking to them about it and mm. not have it be a dead end of you either like scotch or you don't. Yeah. And are you in it or yeah. are you out? Yeah. yeah. Perfect. We could yeah. talk all day. We're an hour and I a half yeah. on wax here. And we I got- wanted to give a shout out to, we're in, at the Highlands. Yes. yes. Um, a great whiskey bar in New York yes. City. I know you're both familiar with it, Andre. Oh, yes. um, yep. The owner was kind enough to let us sneak in with the FedEx man and use his space. Yeah. Um, the bartenders are getting ready now, so I know that. Uh, okay. But great, great spot for whiskey, yep. whiskey they, fans. Andre's always been great to 
the Impex whiskeys, and I know, if, I'm sure if I look up on the shelf, we'll see some Single Cask Nation up there, and I'm sure we'll see some Kregeliki up there, <laughs> and, and other things. So yeah, great bar, highly suggest it. Awesome, and right. thank you, Jason thank you. And, and Joshua. This was so much fun. I'm always talking about you guys, so thanks right. for letting me hang out with you. <laughs> Those two pricks. Yeah. <laughs> that was fortuitous. Your last Instagram post before today's interview was of a single cast nation Craig Ellicott. Oh, yeah, it was in yeah, there. Yeah, that's right. And so thank you for that. Thank you for... Uh, and that was a UK release that you were busy yeah. having. Yeah, that was a special... Yeah. That was uh, an angry Craig Ellicott. It was... Uh, it's been... Last yeah. time I tasted it is when we approved it for Yeah, bottling. I don't entirely remember. It was an angry monkey. I it, in it was November. like yes, angry I called it, banana. Yeah, I poured it at the Glasgow's Whiskey Festival <laughs> yeah. in November. Angry monkey. And called yeah. it, yeah. It's a, it's a little funky one, but it's, it's no umami bomb. What a brilliant time with a brilliant human being. Wasn't that just a ton of fun? Yes, I... I like I'm, I'm out of work. You have to say more than that. I know. I feel, I feel like I have to. But you know, short answer is yes. That was a brilliant time. Any time spent with Holly is always a brilliant time. Yeah, she's and a this, good, yeah. good lady. Yeah, yeah. And one of those people who, as soon as you finish up one meeting with them, you're already looking forward to the next one. So, indeed, Holly. Let's hope it's not too long before we get to hang out with you mm -hmm. again. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, and, and definitely a person, I'd even love to do a second interview and, and see how are things progressing with presenting those five Bacardi distilleries? Uh, what kind yeah. of your foothold are you starting to see? Yeah. Well, as listeners may have heard in the conversation, we started discussing a bit about worm tubs. It's actually removed a good section of the worm tub conversation because what she provided to us allowed us perhaps the final puzzle piece in creating this worm tub episode that we've been promising for the past going on four years now. <laughs> I don't think we're quite ready to put it together. I, I, I think another interview. That's almost one more interview amongst a, a patient listener base. If we keep waiting, we're going to lose listenership uh, either to boredom or or, or the coronavirus, <laughs> and, and I want to get this this out sooner rather than later, Jason. So, uh, <laughs> well, time time will time will tell. Mm. Um, we're gonna skip the news segment today. We're mm -hmm. still still even at the the launch of this episode, just waiting on the sixth release coming into port. Once that does land, we'll we'll be able to rejoice, sing it from the rooftops. But in the in the meantime, Joshua. You alluded to it in the beginning of the episode, uh -huh. but we got a terrific email from Christopher Sebastian about kombucha. We did indeed, and um, I was I was going to give it a little read if if you'd be down with that. I'm down, baby. Okay, so here it comes. It's a good mm -hmm. paragraph. It's a solid one. So he opens. Hi there, J three. Well done. Listeners are, they're so smart. I like our listeners so yeah. much. Yep. Loved hearing you guys chat briefly about kombucha on the episode with John Glazer. <laughs> That's so great. As someone who lives in a little mountain hippie town north of Los Angeles, we're coming to visit, there's a kombucha bar just about every block. I love how some flavors like ginger and lemon really reset your palate. 
in addition to the other health benefits.、Mm-hmm. I, foolishly or not, gave up alcohol for Lent.、Mm-hmm. And even though, as Joshua says, it doesn't really replace beer or whiskey in terms of what it brings to the table, I find that it has a good amount of substance to it. And has more layers to it than normal juice or other non-alcoholic beverages. I will give him that. Yeah, it's good to sip on while reading or just after a meal. I hope other people give it a try. Love the podcast. <laughs> Keep up the great work, guys, Chris. Well, thanks ever so much, Chris.、Yeah. That was I, I. I just loved that email coming in, and the fact that. Yeah, here we are sitting talking Indiana Jones movies, comic book movies. We've got our interview with Holly crammed in there on the Bacardi distilleries, and now we're on to kombucha. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's wild. <laughs> like if you're, you and I talked about this in the mailbag episode. If you're somebody who walks around the world with your palate sensors or your、mm. nasal sensors open to the world. So many things can be of interest, and and when Chris here says flavors like ginger and lemon really reset your palate,、mm. like he's absolutely spot on, a hundred percent. And so the the fact that kombucha can have layers, like there's something exploring there, and we've said it many 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 times in the past, and we'll say it many 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 times in the future. Our good friend Mark Watt has posited the question. Would you drink whiskey if it didn't contain alcohol? And it's such a smart, smart、mm. question. Here we have somebody saying, "Is kombucha alcohol? No. Does it give me the thrill that alcohol does? No. Is it interesting? Yes. Yeah. There's still something to explore. So you can imagine he Chris is talking about being in a little mountain hippie town north of Los Angeles and having all the kombucha." I, I'm in the Shenandoah Valley in Virginia,、uh-huh. and we really have none of the kombucha. It really is other places. Really, you you don't you can't get it at a local grocery store or something like that. You you can get it. Nobody's、yeah. talking about kombucha. Nobody、oh, wow. that you meet on a day to day basis is trying to turn you onto kombucha. So we don't have any kombucha bars, but there's. You know, I live in Connecticut, and you can find in any any grocery store, and there's plenty of health food stores here, there, and everywhere where you can find kombucha, and quite often on tap. You know, it, it's it'll come to you guys eventually. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you、yep. guys finally, you guys finally got Tang, which is good. Uh, you know, that that's still for the kids on the cutting edge in Virginia.、Oh, right. we're, we're not there、right. yet.、Okay. We're just. Slow and steady wins the race is、oh, our motto、right. in the valley. Isn't that slow and steady gets the worm? Is no, that?、Yeah. <laughs> hey, don't don't you be bringing in your Connecticut bullshit down here to Virginia, okay, Yankee? Is that like don't just stand there? Let's get to it. Strike a pose. There's nothing to it. Bust a move.、No. Is that how that song no, goes? It's, no, it, it's much more. I like big butts, and I cannot lie. It's much more that. If you if you're picking up what I'm putting down. Oh, I am. It's like. Funky Cole Medina. I don't know. I I, I'm trying to think of the other words, and I can't think of what those words are. And, and to be honest, no one should think of what those words are. But、um, <laughs> listen, I too loved the email from from Christopher Sebastian. I love that he's got、uh, two two first names、um, in his name, 
That makes me happy at all times. There's Jason, there's one one more message that we got. And actually this is someone posting on our Facebook page. So this is an Bless email. them. Yep. Bless them, whoever bless they them. are. Bless them. Well, it's someone by the name of Jonathan Mello. Okay. Right? And I've Sound, seen... Sounds like an uptight guy. No, he's mellow. Oh, uh, I, I miss... Uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, calm down. God. They call him Jonathan uh, Mello. <laughs> that would... No, no. That, yeah. that, that fruit was so low-hanging that it was buried in the ground. It was that low-hanging. <laughs> no. No, we can turn people's names into songs and be terrible human beings, but you must be creative about it. You cannot dredge the lowest hanging. Oh, here, let me tell you a quick story. <laughs> okay. Dredge. Dredge just made me think of it. Mm-hmm. So yesterday I was driving home with my 13-year-old, my recent bar mitzvah. Ooh, ooh. Uh, I know. And um, we coming down our hill, we can see right over the, the West Virginia mountains. Mm-hmm. And it was a, a storm a-brewing. A-brewing. Uh, a-brewing. And, uh, and I said to him, oh, I think we might get a deluge. Mm. Right? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and he said, all right. <laughs> and, uh, and then when we got home, as we came down our hill, the, our FedEx driver was right behind the car. Okay. And... And he was he was moving a fair clip, and then we turned one way to come to our house, and he turned the other way. Yeah, and I I, <laughs> I said to my kid, "Oh, there you go. Our FedEx driver is off on his rounds." And he, my kid said, "Oh, I thought I thought you said the FedEx driver was coming to our house." And I said, <laughs> "What? No, I what? <laughs> What's happening right now?" And uh-huh. he said. You you used some word a moment ago. Yeah. And I said, deluge. And he said, yeah. I said, that's that's for a big drop of rain from huh. the sky when you get soaked. We were yeah. expecting a rainstorm. He said, oh, you said it in such a fancy way. I thought it was a whiskey and the FedEx guy was going to be delivering oh, that whiskey. Oh, that's funny. Like, you're finally getting your bottle of deluge. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, to, to be fair, to, to defend your, your, your recent bar mitzvah, your oldest yeah. son, he's yes. probably just used to hear, hearing you say, <laughs> it's about to start pissing down. Like, he doesn't know deluge. He's just like, pissing down. Okay. Deluge. So, yeah, he, he really took it. I was using some fancy foreign word. Uh, note okay. to self, trademark the name Deluge for a future whiskey release. <laughs> uh, <laughs> hey, today's rain is tomorrow's whiskey. Oh, <laughs> Tenant's lager turning water into beer since 18 blah, blah, blah. Um, so... Yes, yes. What do you, what do you, what do you, oh yes, uh, Mr. Mello. Mis- what was his first name? Uh, Jonathan. Jo- it was Jonathan. Jonathan. I didn't want to get it wrong. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Mr. Mello. Mr. Jonathan Mello. Mello. Yeah. Not, not yellow, Mello? Uh, low-hanging fruit, Joshua. Okay. Stop, stop grabbing the low-hanging fruit. It's Oof. not, that's what he said. not allowed. That's what he said. Uh, so he says, <laughs> I love this comment. He says, what was the episode where Jason talked about his dad checking the wrong box <laughs> and waking up with something missing? 
I need to play it for my wife. It was oh, amazing. Oh boy. Can you remind the listeners of the story? Because I don't think I don't rem- I personally I don't remember the episode. I doubt I'm, you remember I've the episode. Me scoop which episode that is. Good grief. So, well, so let's reiterate okay. the story. Okay, so so for for Missy's Mellow, maybe she's Dr. Mellow. Uh, apologies if I get it wrong. So her maiden name was actually uh, Yellow. But it was you can't help yourself. Stop it. You can't and help yourself. Stop it's grabbing the Mellow hyphen yellow. <laughs> God, you're a terrible human being. It's like, I have no idea why I run a company with you. I have no idea. Oh, says the person with a hyphenated name. Anyway, continue. <laughs> that wasn't a dig at hyphenated names. Such low-hanging fruit. Anywho, so my dad had a hernia when he was about 21. And... I was born, I'm my dad's oldest child. Uh, I was born when my dad was 34. Oh. And my, my younger brother was born uh, another seven and a half years later. And, uh, and we're my dad's only two children. Mm. And so we always talked about my dad's hernia as um, kind of a, a third member of our family. Uh, oh, uh, okay. We were, we, were, we were closely attached, uh, no more so than my dad. And, <laughs> and so my dad had the hernia until, and, and honestly, this was a wee while ago now, I'm going to get it wrong here, maybe 65. Uh, it was between 65 and 70 when he decided mm. to have surgery to fix the hernia. All right. Yeah. And and the one thing we <laughs> Missy's slash Doctor Mello is uh, is is really going to enjoy this part. Please tell me her but... first name is Pepper, <laughs> so she's Doctor Pepper Mello Yellow. Fuck, that would be brilliant. Continue your story, please. <laughs> when, when when my dad sat, he he had a distinct shape to his crotchal area. And uh, we we affectionately referred to what was on show uh-huh. as my dad's udder. His udder? <laughs> like so, as in a cow udder? As in a cow yeah, udder. Yeah, okay. So, so you can imagine kind of the imprint that that would put upon one's trousers uh, mm. when sitting. And so, yeah, we, we always talked about the udder. And so my dad was, you know, 65, 70, something like that, yeah. when he decided to go into the hospital and, and have the udder removed. And it was somewhat a sad day in our family, you know. You know, you, you don't like to see your unannounced third sibling uh, be removed by a doctor after 40, uh, 44, 45, 46 mm. years. Mm. Yeah. So so it was a sad time. But to get to the point of, of what Jonathan was asking for here. I think the doctors will get to the point as well. Anyway, continue. <laughs> uh, did you say pressing the point earlier or will you say pressing the point later? <laughs> continue. <laughs> And so my, my dad, being a Scottish male, uh, wasn't overly into paperwork. Mm. And, and for some reason, right before they wheeled him into surgery, they presented him with some paperwork. Yeah. And he filled it out and he signed his name. Okay. But it only came to pass during his recovery mm-hmm. that there were also boxes to be checked on said form. Uh-huh. And so my dad wakes up and he's got the the cage. They put the cage over your crotchal region to keep the sheets 
off of the area that they just did some oh, work on. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay. Right? Yeah. And so so he wakes up, he's he's got this kind of dome over his central region. And um he's like, Okay, I've had this surgery, how am I feeling? Okay, yeah, I feel feel some things, feel some things. He uh, he then because he's a man of science who was in construction for fifty years decides to take a look just to see how how things went you as know, one does as one, yeah. as one does and and it was at that point that he came to discover that he had checked a box on the form that would have them remove his foreskin <laughs> <laughs> while he was having his hernia surgery. <laughs> It blows my mind that there would be a box to tick that says, uh, would you like to be circumcised? I'm glad that it's something you opt into and not something you have to opt out of. Like, if you don't check that box, you will be circumcised. Hey, hey, let's let's be 100% honest about this. Only my dad saw the form. Maybe it was an opt-out. Maybe he didn't check the box that he was meant to check. Oh right, it's a it's a Scottish older male doing paperwork. But I'm sure he didn't even read any of the words. But what? Why is that? <laughs> why is that an option? Like either right. way, whether it's an right. opt in or opt out, it's like, you know, I can understand if you're having surgery. I can understand, you know, ab, you know, in in your abdominal lower region area. I can understand <laughs> them having a conversation with you and saying, look. We noticed that you haven't had your appendix out. Usually, when we go in, we'll take your appendix, or I love you know, the way you're framing this, or, you know, or something like that. But, but never, never in my lifetime would I have thought, like on on an official doctor's, you know, form, would you like to be circumcised? Oh, you know what? That, that's 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 nice. This is it's like getting a little extra, like a little appetizer along with your main yeah. meal. Uh, or, or to my dad's mind, I have no idea what that word means, but they're offering to do something for me. I'm going to say yes. It can only be a good thing. Oh, do you think your dad didn't really put two and two together? Or did he oh, just like I'm, check box, tick box, tick box? Oh, I'm almost certain he had no idea what he was doing. The fact that he could wake up and have mm. no recollection yeah. of any conversation mm. around circumcision. Oh, yeah, he... Yeah, he wasn't paying attention to anything. He was just getting wheeled in to have the udder removed. I tell you what, though, uh-huh. from that day on, we had to go to the store to buy milk for our cereal. <laughs> the udder was gone. <laughs> Did he ever, at any point, like, because you're always looking at his udder, it's like, yep. son, my eyes are up here. Do you ever give you that? <laughs> I tell you what, though, after he had the surgery, yeah. he he styled a pair of trousers really well. All he right. really he really fit his trousers so much better. <laughs> I'm afraid to know if it was the the hernia or if his foreskin was really a five skin. <laughs> <laughs> well, I tell you what, he did start wearing a new jumper uh, after that surgery, All and right. so yeah. yeah, just a little bit of stitching here, a little bit of stitching there. And by jumper, I mean sweater. It would oh, be yeah, ridiculous no. okay, yeah. that he would be in an all-in-one body suit. <laughs> That's ridiculous. A stitch in time, as they say. Yeah, that's great. Uh, anyway, well, thanks to Jonathan Mello. 
thanks to Jonathan uh, Mellow Yellow and and Dr. Pepper Mellow Yellow. I hope that she enjoyed uh, <laughs> the story. And thank you, Jason, for reiterating the story. I I think about it every now and again, but quite often I forget how damn funny it is. <laughs> so. If you want to reach out to us, if you want to email us, if you have a question or just a comment, um, you can email us, questions at onenationunderwhiskey.com. You could tweet at us. Oh, tweet, tweet. Our, tweet, tweet, tweet. Our tweet, tweet. handle on Twatterton is at One Nation Whiskey. You could send us an Instagram message. And our handle there is at One Nation Under Whiskey. And then finally, uh, go to Facebook, go to the search bar, look for One Nation Under Whiskey. You'll find our group. You'll find our page. You can message us there. You can post on, uh, you know, you can posit a question on the wall, whatever you want to do. Just remember, in any and all of these instances, if you spell whiskey with the E, you'll probably be directed to some sort of terrible pornography site because we never use the E. Um, so don't use the E and you'll be connected with us. Use the E and something terrible, I promise you, will happen. Isn't terrible and pornography site redundant? (laughs) I know, I'm just pressing the point, that's all. (laughs) Oh, pressing the point, that's what you do? Yeah. Yeah, It's always (laughs) pressing the point with you. It's always pressing the point with me. Jason, I think that about wraps up our episode for the day. Did you have anything else to to add, to, to share with our listeners that you've been holding on to. And please, hands away from your pants. You don't have to hold on to that. Not so tightly. <laughs> and no, I think I said everything I came here to say. <laughs> we managed to cram in some whiskey, so I think that's positive. Mm-hmm. I got to thoroughly enjoy my A.D. Rattray eight-year-old Craig Ellicke, which was introduced to me by Moscow Jim, mm-hmm. who uh, is our beloved... Uh, Moscow, Idaho, Craig Elke collector. Ah, that's uh, right. Who who opens and shares a ton of the Craig Elkes that he brings in. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, he was he's the reason that I, I have a bottle and, and even two bottles of this. So, ah, okay. no, I'm I'm happy. You happy? I am happy. I'm happy. I want to thank Holly one last time uh, for for her time, and listeners. Uh, just so you're aware, there is going to be a future episode. Uh, actually, our live episode with the Drammers Club, uh, which actually happened the same night that we interviewed Holly, and Holly made an appearance on that episode. So you'll get to hear from Holly one more time once we release that that live with the Drammers Club. We did, and, and we included a special pour just in honor of Holly making it there. That we did. That we did. More at a later date. Indeedy, indeedy. Okay, we should get out of here. Call it call it done. This closes out the March 2020 episodes. All right. Well, cheers, Jason. And cheers Onwards to Holly. Onwards and upwards, my friend. Cheers to Holly. Cheers to the listeners. Cheers to Christopher Sebastian. And cheers to Kombucha. <laughs> <laughs>